opening the retreat this morning, I'd like to ask you all if for the initial few minutes we could just spend this time quietly together. The way of just arriving as fully as possible here. So if it feels comfortable for you, I'd like to ask that you allow your eyes just to close gently. Softly. Just be simply aware of the body. Let there be an accepting of whatever it is that you find. We've all come from lives that are probably a lot busier than today is going to be. And this is an opportunity to arrive here fully together now, here. If as you examine your body, you find that there are areas of tightness or constriction, you may wish to gently breathe through those parts of the body, allowing the sounds to happen, they're no problem, just returning to the feelings in the body. This is an opportunity to let go of the schedules, to let go of tomorrow, of yesterday, and just arrive here fully now. Receiving whatever it is that you find with as much acceptance as possible. Letting go of any tension if possible. Being wholeheartedly here together now.
in opening this retreat and in wholeheartedly welcoming you all here this morning, I'd like to ask for a moment if you would just look around this room at those who are gathered here today. Witness the gathering of people who are here today. See those who, like you, care deeply about themselves and about others. Witness those who, perhaps like you, are hurting to some degree also and who choose today not to be alone. For what is true is that today we take refuge in one another, in our own and in each other's sharing. And this is so sacred. This is so very special and also so very rare in our world. What we do here is really most unusual. Some human beings live their entire lives without slowing down and being inward for the smallest amount of time. Some people live their lives without any reflection whatsoever. I urge you to use this day fully. It's a beautiful gift that you have created for yourself. I welcome everyone who is here today. While this retreat is oriented towards those dealing with chronic and life-threatening health concerns, I affirm that it is open and welcoming of everybody who is here today. The issues and themes of the day are, in the end, universal and absolutely inclusive of everyone. I'd like to also clearly acknowledge that many of us are living with health issues and physical and emotional difficulties that profoundly affect our lives. What is also true is that we live in a world which to a significant degree wishes us to be invisible and to be hidden. Because what we grapple with threatens the comfort and sense of control that people out there so desperately want and yearn for in their lives. We mirror back to the world that life is not always easy and that it often can be very difficult. And this is terrifying and destabilizing in a society where suffering is denied and avoided at all costs. And this is why so many of us are not strangers to the harsh realities of oppression, stereotyping, discrimination, and unfairness in the world. We are undervalued and we are diminished by a society which in its ignorance sees us as being far less than the full truth of who we are. 
And it's that full truth that we here today together celebrate. In coming here today, we affirm the dignity and the courage that are the essence of any woman or any man who questions life and themselves. It is a powerful time in the lifespan of any human being when she or he goes below what is superficial and comfortable and questions the deeper current of his or her life. To find a meaning that transcends the vicissitudes of living and endures in spite of the ups and downs that must come along for all of us. And this is what each of us are doing here today, together. I'd like to begin by introducing myself to you. But before I do that, I just want to be sure that everybody is as comfortable as they might possibly be here. Is there anybody that needs anything that they don't have, like a cushion or something? Is everybody okay? You feeling cold, Eva? Sure, if you could give Eva a blanket. Why don't we close some of the windows at least partly? The fans are on to keep the air circulating. Um, I think we should leave at least one fan on. But Right, right. If people can warm up via clothes, that would be really helpful. Thank you. Okay, so there we are. <laughs> okay, so I think if we could put on the fans intermittently during the day and at least have one going all the time. If at any point you feel like you need to move to a chair, feel free to do so while I'm speaking. My name is Gavin Harrison. Uh, many of you I haven't met before. Um, early in 1981, on a mist-shrouded mountaintop in the Valley of a Thousand Hills, which is in Zululand, South Africa, where I was born, I attended my first meditation retreat, and it was there that I heard the teachings of the Buddha for the first time. 
That was my first retreat, as I know this one is for many of you there. My life felt very difficult and painful at that time, and it was hard during that retreat for me to keep still. It was also hard for me to see things about myself that I'd not until then seen quite that clearly. But I was so moved and touched by that retreat that I decided to stay on there at the Buddhist retreat center in Zululand for a year. And I was on staff and I meditated each day with other people there and met many people who, like me, were, felt very committed to meditation. Towards the end of that year, I began a relationship with a wonderful Afrikaner man. His name was Roy. And we stayed together until I left South Africa to return to the United States of America. I came back to continue my career as a certified public accountant, or so I thought. But as it turned out, I instead gave all my possessions to my brother who had emigrated to Canada and I moved to California and ordained as a Buddhist monk and lived in a forest monastery in the redwoods there. And this was the beginning of a long retreat, a couple of years for me. And it was during this retreat that I all of a sudden began to realize that there was a lot that happened in my childhood that was absolutely wrong and not okay. I'd been sent to an all-boys boarding school, all-white boys in South Africa. And during the years that I was there, I was there for seven years, I was physically and sexually abused a lot by older boys and by masters. And on this meditation retreat, I found myself in the middle of a hurricane of rage and terror and fear and confusion. I kept on meditating with a lot of encouragement from my teachers and friends. My back became excruciatingly painful during this time and x-rays revealed a broken lumbar vertebra in the base of my spine in the exact place where often I was beaten with hose pipes and with leather straps at the boarding school. I couldn't walk for a long time and this injury is an enduring disability for me. It's sort of like the spine is resting on a base that's unstable. Over the years the meditation has been the primary way in which I've engaged both the physical pain and also all of the emotions of the abuse. I now know that it was the pain of the abuse that took me to the first meditation retreat that I ever did. And all of this was along with therapy and body work and workshops and the rest. The meditation has been the thread that's endured these last 12 years. In 1989, I returned to South Africa to be with my friend Roy, who was dying of AIDS and he unfortunately died before I got there. Another close friend, Michael, died soon after I arrived. And a few days before I was scheduled to return here, my father had a sudden massive heart attack, and he died also in my arms and in my mother's arms. 
I was deeply exhausted and bereft and very heartbroken by all of this, as you can imagine. And a month later, I returned to the United States, very tired and unwell. I had myself tested right away and discovered that I too was HIV positive and I was not in good shape. This was July 1989. In the doctor's office, after he told me the diagnosis, the first thing that happened, which I'll never forget, was like this crystal clear thought moved through my mind like a diamond it felt and it was like a commitment that I would not make this experience any worse than it necessarily had to be. And it feels like it's a thread that has endured through these last years. And so along with the abuse and my back, I now was dealing with HIV also. I did a retreat again soon afterwards and here the impact of the diagnosis and all of the deaths moved to the center of the meditation practice. By this time, I'd lost close to 50 friends to this virus. There was so much rage and fear and confusion and sadness. It was not easy, but it was to a degree workable. In 1990, on a further retreat, I suddenly began receiving memories from my infancy of a period of sexual violation that began in my first months of life. So this has brought a whole further level of healing and issues that I need to deal with now. So this is what I have on my plate broadly. Often the issues are undistinguishable from one another. And out of the years of engaging what this has meant in meditation, the many facets of what I have on my plate, I've come to know and deeply appreciate the truth that the meditation practice has unquestionably given me choices in dealing with these issues that I would not have had before. I have the deepest love and gratitude for these teachings. Today my trust and faith feels absolute. And this is not a blind faith. I feel that it is a faith born of the truth, that it is possible to work with the most difficult aspects of life in a way that is freeing and in a way that is loving. Not that the suffering goes away, that's impossible, but that our relationship with suffering can be transformed and healed so that patterns of self-flagellation, self-hatred, self-anger, avoidance, denial, reactiveness, and so forth are no longer the ways that we exacerbate what is already difficult in our lives. Personally, I see my work here today as very simple and clear. I would love to be able to share with you as best I can my experience of engaging 
all of life to the extent I've been able to in the context of the meditation practice. I'd also like to create the opportunity for you to perhaps to some degree experience the essence of the practice yourselves here today. I'd like to address any questions that you may have or concerns relating to the practice over today. And hopefully by five or six o'clock this evening, you'll have some idea of whether or not this is a path that you'd like to pursue to one degree or another. Meditation practice, in, in my experience, is a really effective tool for bringing us ever closer to the truth of who we are. In meditation, we come to know what is unique in our lives and what is universal too. What is beyond the confines of our story, our circumstances, our drama. We go perhaps into the center of our flower bud and feel the pain of where it is that we're closed. A life of meditation is a welcoming and revealing of all that is already there, dormant perhaps, asleep, quiet, hidden perhaps, we bring forward with time every facet of our beauty and our uniqueness for questioning, knowing, and for loving. We are not told in meditation what is true. We are invited to see for ourselves what the truth is. Whatever the circumstances of our lives, be they chronic, difficult, challenging, or life-threatening, this blossoming of ourselves is always a possibility. Whether we heal into a long, healthy, and able life, or whether we heal into a resolved and peaceful death, or somewhere in between. In fact, often it is within the storm of crisis and heartbreak that we move towards deeper contentment, freedom, and surrender. And in this movement to wholeness and integration, we are then participating in the healing that we took birth for. The day today will be structured in a way that supports the inner questioning and inquiry. There will be full meditation instructions. The meditations will mostly be guided ones. There will be an opportunity, as I said, for dialogue and discussion. Most importantly, you'll be encouraged towards a gentleness and kindness and tenderness with yourself that for so many of us is very difficult. There are a number of people here present today who are here to provide further support to you. 
as the day unfolds. Narayan Liebenson Grady on my left and Marcia Rose on my right are teaching colleagues and they will be participating fully in different ways during the day. Narayan is on the senior teaching staff at the Cambridge Insight Meditation Center on Broadway. Marcia Rose is resident teacher at the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. Both Narayan and Marcia will be here supporting whatever direction this day takes. I've asked each of them if they would introduce themselves to you. I just would like to say that I'm very, very happy to be here today. I'm delighted to spend the day with Gavin my old and dear friend. And I have so much respect for the work that he's doing. In my experience, the practice has been and continues to be enormously healing, both personally and with those that I have the privilege of working with. And my hope is that today, all of us get a little taste of the possibilities of practice or deepen whatever taste is already here. Just to taste a little bit of the possibilities of healing and freedom and compassion. And just to also say that I'm here to be of use and to ask me for anything, to interrupt me. Um, It isn't an interruption. Um, Sometimes in the walking meditation, I I look very focused. And to to just stop me and ask for whatever is needed. to be here also happy to be here uh, with all of you some familiar faces and lots of unfamiliar faces and with my relatively new and dear friend Gavin we haven't known each other I think about a year now not even quite that One of my teachers said that this practice is about becoming a real human being. Um, I think that's true. I think it's about really touching our lives fully, really living fully in each moment, whatever our personal circumstances are whatever is going on in our lives. The practice for me personally 
and for those that I work with at, uh, in Barrie at the Meditation Center, really it, it allows us to open to this, this journey of uh, discovery of our, of our full humanness. And it's really an opportunity to open with patience. It gives us courage to deal with whatever whatever it is that life is offering us, the beauty and the suffering, all of it, and to just be fully, fully present with whatever it is in any moment, any moment at all. I'm also here to uh, do whatever needs to be done today. So if you need to speak, if you have a question, if you just want to hug, if you want to a walk, some talk, please, please feel free to just uh, come over to me and ask for what you need. I'm real happy to be here with all of you. To reiterate what both Narayana and Marcia have said, um, if for any reason any of you feel like you have issues that you don't wish to bring to the group as a whole, or perhaps I can quite understand some of you may have issues that you feel you'd like to discuss with a woman rather than a man, that Marcia and Narayana are here precisely for those reasons today. Um, we will have a longer question and answer session this afternoon. And during that time, we'll look a little more broadly at any issues or any uh, questions that you have. But until that time, which is about four o'clock, uh, what the endeavor is going to be is to really keep the day very focused on the meditation practice. Any questions that you have that relate directly to it, things that you don't understand, uh, will be the subject of a little back and forth that will happen regularly during the morning. However, if issues come up that are very important, um, Marcia and Orion will deal with these fully with you. I also would like to introduce two further very dear and valued friends who are here today also in support of what we are doing here. Uh, Leela Wheeler, uh, is a good friend, an old student of meditation, and she has teaching experience. She and Lama Suryadas, who is a monk in the Tibetan Buddhist order, are here too, supporting both myself and Marcia and Narayan. And so they too are, are people that you may uh, approach if you have any needs and if. Uh, and if you wish to. Yeah, I think that's... I'd like to introduce you to Arachne Stevens. Those of you who have not met Arachne, she has played a very important part in helping make this retreat possible. She's an old student 
of the meditation practice and she too will be offering her support during the day. Many, perhaps most of us gathered here today are facing significant personal challenges in our lives. Some of us are living with physical limitation and disability to some degree. Others of us are dealing with chronic illness. Among us are people living with potentially life-threatening illnesses and diseases. Most of us are dealing with physical pain to some extent. Some of us are living with multiple chemical sensitivities and most of us probably are also dealing with varying levels of fatigue. Among us also are those who are dealing with a history of sexual abuse or abuse of some sort. And along with the physical limitations must come a profusion of tough emotions also. Some of us deal with depression in our lives. Perhaps there is anger and rage there too. It's so unfair. Why me? I'm so young. Certainly there is fear there also. What will happen to me? What will be the cause of this disease or illness? Will I be alone and will I be able to bear the pain? It's perhaps shame and guilt also. We internalize perhaps to some degree the fear and ignorance and prejudice of others. I deserve this. I must have done something wrong. I must have been bad and this is a punishment. It's an evidence of my shortcoming. And if our difficulty is chronic and relentless, we can so easily spin around in a perpetual cycle of bodily difficulties, fueling emotions, which if not dealt with, impact our bodies again. And so the cycle continues. What initially was difficult becomes far worse than it originally was. So here we are today, and perhaps the questions that brought us here are the things that bind us most to one another. Can all of this be workable? Is there a possibility of finding a place of balance within all of this? Can there be a long, enduring mind that extends through the ups and downs? Can I respond inwardly to these challenges with more love and compassion and less intolerance and less hatred? These weighty questions are perhaps fueled by the deeper questions of life. Why do I suffer? Why this suffering world? Who am I? Who dies? Is there an end to the suffering? Can I love myself 
and others in ways that are healthy and true. What is also true is that many of us are grappling with issues and questions in our so-called earlier years, long before we ever expected to. For many of us, we have friends who suffer similarly and mirror back what it is that we're dealing with. We have memories of friends, perhaps, who have died of the same disease that we now deal with. This is all a far cry from the promised land that we grew up with and the one that we see on the television. We find ourselves living in a world where through the doorway of the suffering that is in our own lives, we see more vividly and widely the suffering that pervades all humanity. And it's heartbreaking. So although this retreat is oriented towards those dealing with chronic and life-threatening issues, in truth we are all terminally ill. We are all moving towards our death with all that that evokes for us. We are all hurt in some way or another. Over the last three years, if I may speak personally for a moment, I have dealt with and deal with the ups and downs of living with a virus that is so unpredictable and full of surprises. Over and over again these last years, I feel as though this virus has taken me by the scruff of my neck and yanked me out of places of complacency and narrowness where I lived most of my first 39 years before the diagnosis. Each bout of neuropathy, every shingles lesion, each cold, infection, whatever, has, I feel, eventually moved me in the direction of facing squarely and clearly what is now a given in my life. And for me, this is one of the few blessings of this experience the gift of facing head-on the suffering and heartbreak that is there, realizing that denial and avoidance of what is difficult only exacerbates the pain. And it is in the dignity and courage of opening to and facing the suffering that the heart begins to open into all its loveliness and power. And this alchemy of the heart the awakening of compassion in the face of suffering is central to the path of meditation. So in the end, perhaps that is our work today, to look a little more closely and lovingly at what is difficult in our minds and our bodies, our lives, and engage all of this, what Zorba the Greek called the whole catastrophe. Engage the whole catastrophe in a way that is perhaps new, and perhaps more freeing. Of course, part of the catastrophe, if I may call it that, is our capacity to love and to care and to nurture, to forgive, to trust. We open to that also, wholeheartedly and fully. And in meditation, we cultivate an attitude, a quality of mind that is known as bare attention, we do this that we might begin to live this attitude in every facet of our lives. Buddhist meditation is not a cushion trip that begins when we sit down and end when we get up. Rather, it is an embracing of life 
in a spirit and attitude of inquiry, interest and care where we might greet life with these questions. What is going on right now? What is the truth of this moment? What am I not accepting? Where am I attached? Who am I now? 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 Is this permanent? Is this changing? With bare attention and mindfulness, we explore moment to moment the truth of what is happening. Bare attention is a strength and maturity of mind that receives life without judgment, without comment, without resistance. It's expressed in an attitude of flinging one's hands in the air and saying, I give up with wrangling. I give up with manipulation. I'm tired of trying to control everything. I've had it with fighting. I've had it with holding on. Let's just see what's happening here. No moving towards, no pushing away, no intellectualizing, no words, no analysis. Just simply, what is this? In meditation, we bring bare attention to all aspects of our experience. And gradually over today, we'll broaden our focus to include every aspect of life as we experience and sense it. And it's not easy. Sometimes it's astonishing to realize how scattered and unfocused the mind is. There are some attitudes and supports that will serve you through the day and deepen your experience. And the first is that today will be structured into periods of sitting meditation and periods of other forms of meditation. What is important is that the mindfulness and bare attention extend through the day. Because we can't sit all day, we take the attitude of bare attention, mindfulness and awareness into everything that we do. It's like practicing the scales on a piano. We do walking meditation, standing, lying, eating meditation. We do these all with the same quality of wakefulness and presence that we cultivate in the sitting practice. In this way, we begin to move it into our lives. A schedule is posted, but it may change just depending what happens here today. We'll break at about 12.15 for an hour for lunch, and I'll speak about that later, and we will end at 6 o'clock. If during the day you need to rest or to eat, please feel free to do so during the other meditation periods. This is not a grueling endurance test. The essence of today is that we're practicing new ways of dealing with ourselves. So I'd like to ask you, please, not to use the meditation as a form of punishment or weapon against yourself. If you need to eat, particularly for medical reasons, do so. But do it with mindfulness and with care. It's making our life workable, whatever the circumstances that the practice of meditation is all about. At 4 o'clock, there'll be an extended period of questions and answers. And at that point, the tone of the day will change, get a little more upbeat. And by 6 o'clock, I promise that we will deliver you back into the world, 
in one piece, integrated and happy. <laughs> uh, as Arachne said, if any of you do need to leave early, you're welcome to check in with myself or Narayan or Marcia, only that we might have an opportunity to fill you in on what it is you're going to miss and to also make available to you the many brochures and resources that we've gathered here for you. The retreat is going to happen in silence today. And what this means is that communication between retreatants is strongly discouraged, both out of respect for others and to serve one's own spirit of inquiry. Talking is a sure way of distraction. We move outside of ourselves. So except during the dialogue and discussion periods, we please ask that you keep the silence. If you have needs or questions, feel free to speak to me, Marcia Narayan, or the organizers. And for couples and friends, it's a real temptation to speak. And I'd like to ask that you resist that temptation. Support one another to be inward. This is a time to be alone together. And if this is difficult, then perhaps this is a time to see why it's difficult to be on your own. As a further help, I'd like to suggest that you avoid eye contact with one another, keeping your eyes down and soft in a gentle and loving way. Don't read anything. That's another way of getting lost. And be gentle in the silence. Revel in it. For many people, it's the most precious memory of a retreat. It's just the relief of being able to be quiet together. So in the spirit of nuns and monks and others who have taken refuge in silence and reflection and contemplation, we do the same here today, together. We're born alone, and we're going to die alone. And this is perhaps a time to feel that particular aloneness that binds us and connects us all. So really slow down today. There's no rush. Gongs will ring. Wherever you are, you'll hear them. And give yourself about five minutes to get back here so that we're not actually struggling in. But there's also not a rush. If you want to spend half an hour walking across the lawn, do it. No problem. Pablo Neruda wrote a wonderful poem about this quality. He says, now we will count to twelve and we will all keep still. For once on the face of the earth, let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for a second and not move our arms so much. It would be an exotic moment. Without rush, without engines, we would all be together in a sudden strangeness. Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm the whales, and the man gathering salt would not look at his hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars, wars with gas, wars with, with fire, victories with no survivors, would put on clean clothes and walk about with their brothers and sisters in the shade, doing nothing. What I want should not be confused with total inactivity. Life is what it's about. Perhaps then 
the earth can teach us, as when everything seems dead in winter and later proves to be alive. Now I'll count up to twelve, and you keep quiet, and I will go. I'd like to ask that you not mix meditations today. Give yourself this practice for the day, not in judgment of other meditations, but there is something really special and precious about not diluting what we do here. And then patience. What we're doing today is not easy. Somebody once said that self-knowledge is bad news. It's really difficult to see ourselves truly. And being patient is so important. In the willingness to begin again and again, there's so much that's possible. With patience, we begin to ride the ups and downs. And in the end, we see there are no good sittings, there are no bad sittings. We just are patiently there with what happens. And as we cultivate a long, enduring patience through the seasons of our hearts and minds, we know the birthing of this very powerful and precious factor of the heart. This is Rilke, the German poet. He says, be patient towards all that is unresolved in your heart. Do not now seek answers that cannot be given, but take whatever comes with great respect. For most people, keeping mindful and present is difficult. Patience is so precious. For many, listening is very difficult too. If you're anything like me, I'm off commenting, judging, arguing in my mind before I know it. I'd like to ask that as you'll be hearing a lot of my voice today, perhaps not as much of your own as you used to, that you make a practice of listening fully and wholeheartedly, hearing the spaces perhaps between the words. While there will be times for dialogue and discussion, this retreat is most unlike a workshop in that the emphasis is on listening, feeling, presence and care inwardly and on the healing power of silence. Listen for the breath within the breath. Listen for what feels true for you. Nothing that is said today is offered as the indisputable truth. Please receive what is said as suggestion for your own investigation. The attitude is perhaps best framed by the Buddha in a statement that for me certainly is among the most important things that he ever said. He said, believe nothing merely because you have been told it or because it is traditional or because you yourself imagined it. Do not believe what your teacher tells you merely out of respect for your teacher. But whatever way, by thorough examination, you find to be one leading to good and happiness for all creatures, that path follow like the moon follows the path of the stars. 
Shall we meditate? If you could take a position that is comfortable for you. you are sitting, I'd like to suggest that you endeavor to keep your posture as perpendicular as possible. Allow your eyes to gently close, softly. And in these initial minutes of the meditation, just give attention to the experience of sitting, feeling perhaps the pressure on the buttocks, on the cushion or the chair, the stool. It's been found not to be a good idea to hold the posture too stiffly. And yet on the other hand, being too loose in the posture is not a good idea either. So finding a place of balance, keeping the posture as erect as possible, but not tight. find that the mind wanders, that's a part of being human and is absolutely okay. Just return to the experience of sitting. If thoughts arise, let them go and return. And in your own time, in a rhythm that feels true for you, allow the attention to shift to the experience of breathing. And see where it is in the cycle of breathing that you experience the breath most clearly. It may perhaps be at the tip of the nose. It may be in the chest area or in the abdomen. Examining the full in-breath and the entire out-breath to find that place where you experience breathing most clearly and then let your attention rest at that place.
Breathing in, breathing out. And each time the mind wanders, that's okay too. Without frustration, without aversion. Cultivating that willingness and strength of mind that purely and simply begins again. Watching the sensations of the movement of breathing as the breath enters and as it leaves the body. In, out. You may wish to try using a very soft background mental note that some people find helpful in being present to the breathing, like in and out, if you're watching it at the tip of the nose, or rising, falling at the abdomen. If you use the note, be sure to keep it really soft and really background, giving full attention to the changing sensations of the breath as it enters and as it leaves the body. Beginning to work with the quality of bare attention that quality that doesn't change the breath in any way, that doesn't comment on the breath, 
that doesn't push it away. Just breathing and being present. The willingness to begin again and again and again is the heart of the meditation practice.
of course thoughts will arise and that's okay when they do just be aware that thinking has happened and return to the sensations of the movement of the breath you may if you wish watch the breath in its beginning the middle and the end of every breath if there are gaps you may want to be present in any gaps between the breath and then see the out breath in its beginning its middle and its end being as present as possible to the breathing cultivating bare attention, observing the breath without judging it, without commenting on it, without changing it, without pushing it away or holding on, allowing the breathing to happen and being present with bare attention to the experience of the changing sensations of the breath.
One in-breath, one out-breath. Each time the mind wanders, gently, softly, tenderly even, returning to the present moment's experience of breathing. Without aversion, without frustration, that's all extra. Just returning to the moment, awake. In the last few minutes of the meditation, endeavoring to be as fully present as possible with the entirety of each breath, 
cultivating that quality of bare attention that allows the truth of what's ever happening to manifest moment to moment. Letting go of any need to control, to change, to judge, to argue, to push away. Just being alive to the truth of the experience of breathing. last two minutes.
it's perhaps during the in-between times between the sitting meditation and the other meditation that we tend most easily to get lost. So in a moment I'm going to ring the bell. I'd like to ask you to pay particular attention now to how the mind may wish to go off and get lost and think all the thoughts it hasn't been able to. And just be present with the same bare attention in this next period. I'm now going to give the instructions for the other meditation. If you need to move and make yourself comfortable, of course, please do so. But do it with care and with, uh, with presence, each leg, each hand. Just be aware, it's like a beautiful dance of being awake to every movement of the body. George, would you check to see whether it's okay for us to use the lawns for walking, please? As I said earlier, it would be unthinkable for anyone to expect us to be able to sit all day in meditation. But given that it is the purpose of a meditation retreat to cultivate this quality and strength and beauty of mind called bare attention, just being simply present with what's happening, we have alternatives to the sitting meditation. And I'd like to present these now. Walking meditation is one of the alternatives. We cultivate in the walking meditation, as I say, that same quality of mindfulness and bare attention, except we shift our focus from the breathing to the changing sensations of walking. We can either concentrate on the sensations in the soles of our feet or in the calf or in the whole leg and you can experiment with that find what works for you you could walk slowly or you could walk fast it doesn't matter I would like to suggest that today given that many of us are bringing difficult issues and perhaps these are beginning to surface for you that you may wish to work with a faster walking meditation it can be real slow. I don't know if you've ever seen meditators doing it, but you know, you can see them like placing. So you place your foot down and then you use a soft label of lifting and you slowly and you feel every sensation in the lifting, moving, placing. Very slow, microscopic, careful kind of walking. You may wish to do that. Maybe start faster and then slow down and just see in what kind of walking your mind feels most present. So keeping the attention either on the soles of the feet or the calves or the whole leg, 
you may wish to use like a mental note of left, right, left, right, or walking, walking, you know, like we do in the sitting with in, out, or rising, falling. Remembering that the noting is to help us stay present to what's happening in the moment. It's very easy to use the noting as almost like the object of attention. Left, right, left, right. And then that's just extra. So use a left so that you feel the left sensations and then right and then feel the right. So I'd like to suggest that for those of you that wish to go outside to get some fresh air, you're very welcome to use the lawns, and of course you can do that barefoot or otherwise. Choose a length maybe about 20 foot, which will be like your space. Then begin by standing at one end of your space and just be, be present. So feel the pressure in the soles of the feet, maybe the breeze touching your cheeks, maybe a sound, just hear everything without commenting, just being present. And then walk to the other side. Stop. So it's good to have a defined space because otherwise it can just be a sort of a stroll or an amble and you can get lost. Stop. Turn around. Maybe feel aligned and present standing and then walk back and see if you can experience every step of the way either in the soles of the feet or the calves or each leg just feeling the changing sensations exactly the same presence as we use in the meditation where we feel the sensations of breathing here we feel the sensations of walking if like a very loud sound comes and it completely distracts you, stop and be fully present to the sound. And the beauty of being awake to sounds with bare attention is that you don't have to, oh, it's an accident, this guy's driving too fast, he's going to do that, da-da-da-da, or it's a bird, it's a yellow bird, it's a beautiful bird. Oh, gosh, you know, I remember I saw one of those in Nova Scotia. Gee, what's it doing so far south on a cold day, you know? That's all extra. See if you can be just awake to the sound, just awake to the sensations in the feet. Beginning to exercise that strength of mind that we've begun doing already that allows us just to be present with what's happening. If you want to walk indoors, that's fine too. You can find a passage that's quiet. Do that also. If a strong emotion arises, and we'll be dealing a lot with emotions today, particularly after lunch, we'll be focusing on the difficult emotions. But it might be that some anger has come up for you, or fear or something. And if it's really strong, stop and just be with fear, fear or anger, anger, not getting involved in the story. This is an opportunity to perhaps look at it in a new way. Just being present. And none of this is in judgment of the way we usually deal with these emotions or thoughts or sounds, but this is just a new way to, to, to work. It's a good idea to keep your eyes 
sort of softly in front of you. If you try and look down, which a lot of people do when they're doing walking, your neck gets sore. You know, it's just as simple as that. So, so just sort of, I, I sometimes have a spot that I just keep my eye on so that I'm not wandering all over. And just be present with the walking, going back and forth, back and forth. We'll ring the gong five minutes before. We'll take care of making sure that wherever you are, you'll hear the gong and give yourself a full five minutes to come back. Keeping this quality alive, particularly in the in-between periods, is so important. Now, it may be that for some of you, you may not wish to walk. Maybe it's not possible for you to walk. There's certainly alternatives. There might be some of you that are feeling tired and you feel like you want to lie down. There's another meditation which goes under various names. Um, and it's one where we work with hearing. And so the thing to do would be if you want to take yourself under a tree and just lie down or sit down under a tree or stay in here, begin with the breathing as we've been doing. Be present with the breathing and then open up and be present with hearing. So like the crow was crowing there, crow is extra. The pure sound there has nothing to do with the word crow. It's just what it is. And just being present with each sound, without getting lost in thought, just being awake, hearing the beginning, the middle, the end of each. And the, the spaces in between the sounds. There was a Quaker composer who said he only truly began to compose good music when he gave as much care to the spaces between the musical notes as he did to the musical notes themselves. So in the hearing, be aware of the silences too. And then the birthing and the death of a sound. And the birthing and the death of a sound. And the silence. And the birthing and the death of silence. And just being awake to hearing. And then you do hearing and then what is known as touch points in the body. So you may want to go to the touching of the lips together and just be aware, touching, touching. And then maybe another touch point of the hands on the lap, touching, touching, hearing, touching, 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 hearing. And so it is, you actually also move energy then. In walking, you're moving energy and in the touching and hearing, you're moving energy. It's a little more active than just sitting. We'll ring the bell. We come back together for another period of meditation, and then we'll break for lunch. What's important is just choose one of these meditations and do them, because whatever we choose, we get a bounce off. You know, we get a not like it, we think we're bored, why are we here, all of that. That's going to happen whatever we choose. So don't f think that, you know, well, this isn't working, I'm going to try that, I'm going to try that. Choose one, stay with it.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.